Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside... Connor Balthasar. And today, we have quite a bit of relatively smaller news when it comes to K-State football, alongside our, our very large segment that will probably take us two and a half hours. But let's just... Let's start off at the top with uh, the recruiting news, and we have we have two big pieces of recruiting news to go over. One is someone who's already committed, and the other one who is projected to commit. So let's just dive right in to the first person, which is the person who is already committed, the junior college transfer wide receiver Tyrone Howell out of Hutchinson Community College, the NJCAA national champions from last year. And what do you have to say about him? Um, well, other than being an in-state guy, at least from the JUCO ranks, uh, if you like Shabastin Taylor, you're probably gonna like Tyrone Howell. He's, um, maybe he's not the fastest guy. He's not slow, but he's not he's not a burner or anything like that. But he has proven in his highlight tapes that he's a guy that can high point the ball. And he's just very good at getting the ball. He's a possession guy through and through, basically. Yeah. And I think that's something that this team really needs. Because uh, especially near the the end of Snyder, we had a lot of small receivers. I mean, we were struggling to find guys taller than five foot eleven to put out on the field at receiver. And so Tyron Howley's 6'3", 205 pounds, actually smaller than Seabass, uh, uh and Taylor. And he... Yeah. Uh, um, in his film, he didn't have crazy stats. Uh, I think he had about 300 yards, like three touchdowns in seven games. Uh, so about 45 yards a game. So respectable. Um, nothing crazy. Yeah, Although that, that, yeah, that was a run. That was a run heavy team. So well, yeah, I have to take those numbers through a grain of salt. Um, but I think he's a quality addition to the receiver core. Um, I, I do think that maybe it's the coaching staff not being fully confident in the depth that they have there yet. Uh, I, I think that they're probably at least four deep right now. Tyrone probably changes that to five because I'm thinking Malik Knowles one, Seabass two, Phillip Brooks three, Garber four, and Howell five. Either that or Howell four, Garber five. So Yeah, I think that, that, number, that number four spot and – I'm going to say that's the number four outside receiver because I think Phillip Brooks might take slot receiver just because yeah. smaller guys typically go in the slot. And I think that that's going to be an interesting battle to kind of watch. I'm not sure if Tyrone Howell plays this year, so Garber might take it for this year. But in the future, I feel like having that that receiver with uh, the attack the ball mentality, which is something K-State doesn't necessarily have. There, and there is a distinct difference between the jump ball mentality and the attack the ball possession mentality. And the difference is between, say, it's, it's a DeAndre Hopkins and a Michael Thomas for the two extremes. Except for DeAndre Hopkins can catch literally anything thrown within a 10-yard radius of him. So, so not the greatest example, but just work with me here. Where you have Malik Knowles who... We constantly joke about spectacular catch 99, normal catching 40. He's more of the jump ball guy, whereas Trebastin Taylor is kind of in the middle, and I feel Tyrone Howell could be that more catch a ball through contact kind of guy just due to his frame. 
And I feel like that is something that not only benefits young quarterbacks, which we will have a relatively young and or inexperienced quarterback, no matter what, after Skyler leaves. So I feel like that having that weapon for the younger quarterbacks is going to be a great, great bane for anyone in that developmental slot. Yeah, um, I, I like how you say that, uh, catch through contact, because if you go back and watch uh, receiver highlights from last year, that's something that we just really just could not do at any point in the season. Like, I know that we're always fighting injuries, but it, it seemed like unless we were wide open, we probably weren't making the catch, and even then that wasn't guaranteed. But having Tyrone Howell... Yeah, it was a, it was a coin flip. Yeah, having Tyrone Howell available as a guy that is reliable, like a reliable third down guy, like, you know, coverage is going to be tight, and you just need to get to the first down marker and you have him, you can catch it while getting hit. That is very valuable. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off the rest of the receiving core. So yeah. just having a guy to fill that role uh, when we go to maybe a four wide or maybe even five wide, uh, just ha yeah. having that reliable option where if Knowles is like wide open streaking down the field, all right, well, I'll just toss it to Howell on his end or whatever. So yeah, yeah, he's a quality addition. Uh, nothing crazy. It's a little late, honestly, in the cycle to be doing it, but he will be immediately eligible. Uh, I think he has three years to play, so that is a, a nice upside. Normally, JUCO guys only have two years, but he is only sophomore, so he has a little bit more time. Yeah, that's uh, crazy to think he's younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a nice bit of college optimism for you. But there's a, another recruit that is not committed already to Kansas State, but is projected by 24-7 sports, too. And it is the prospect out of Arizona. And would you like to share, Connor? Yeah. Uh, so this guy's named Shakan Bowser. Uh, he's a... Great name already. Uh, great, great name. And uh, he's a defensive end. He's a 6'4", 225. He's listed as a linebacker on his recruiting profile, but I think he'll either play... Uh, DN, but he might play that hybrid DN linebacker spot uh, and this new defense that we're going to run. But he's out of Arizona, which it's pretty interesting. I was going through uh, Arizona's uh, state class because he's ranked 14th and the Arizona schools, this is kind of off topic, but the Arizona schools really suck at recruiting Arizona. Like, they have a top 29 instead of 30. They just have 29 people on here but mm. exactly three of them are going to an Arizona school and none of them are going to Arizona state and none of them are in the top 10. The highest rated in-state guy that's staying in state is 12th on the 24 seven composite, which is really, really strange. And I don't know, maybe you just Do you ever think K state has a Kansas problem. At least we're not Arizona. Yeah. Every state has a, their own state problem, unless you're Texas. And even then, they, they have some issues here and there. Like, I'm looking I'm looking at last year. I'm, I'm like, the 2021 top recruits in Arizona, they had, in the top 50, zero of them stayed in state. Imagine. Wait, hold on. Imagine. Wait, hold on. I was looking, I was looking at the, the all, uh, everybody. My bad. Okay. Okay. I'm like, okay, but, I don't, okay, but, I don't think that's accurate. It is okay, but, funny, but, but none of the top, uh, fifth, none of the top 14 stayed in state. The highest that stayed in state last year was 15th, and K State had 
in the top 20 had one from the state of Arizona and the entire state of Arizona combined had two from their own state, which is anyway, yeah, this is a, this is very off topic, but this is just something that I saw when I was rolling through uh, his recruiting profile. I just thought it was kind of worth mentioning just because it does kind of connect to K state and that we're having issues with our own state. But anywho, yeah, Shaquan Bowser, uh, he came on a visit a few weeks ago, um, allegedly came away very impressed and, I, I don't think it was an official visit, but that, that doesn't matter too much. I mean, if he was impressed, he was impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he yeah. said he'll be back in the fall. Uh, Shaquan Bowser, hopefully sometime in this month-ish. Uh, he's, I think he might be the next commit that we have because we haven't been getting a lot of uh, projections to K-State recently. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. a little bit quiet on that front ever since uh, I'm Jake Clifton. Because uh, we, yeah. we just kind of had that stretch of about two to two and a half weeks where it just seemed like we were going to commit every other day. And that's kind of cooled down a little. You got out of the camp cycle. But uh, Shaquan Bowser, uh, next man up, it seems like. Yeah, actually, uh, I think Jaron Kanak is going to commit before Shaquan Bowser. He's just going to commit to K-State. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> I will manifest it every episode. Jaron Kanak committing to Kansas State. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, I think you we heard said it, it here first, like two months ago. Yeah, I was gonna say we like we've actually said it a ton of times, so this is probably like you've heard it here fourth, like although it's the <laughs> same basic place. Yeah, Shaquan Bowser, pretty much just what you said in our more hybrid-ish three-three-five defense that we're going to run. We need that hybrid defensive end, and if he's listed as a linebacker, that means he's probably playing linebacker. Ergo. He slides into a hybrid role, considering how our linebacker room is probably full for anyone not named Jaron Kanak. And yeah, that's just a, another piece of excitement to have getting another recruit, especially in a cycle that is going to be a lot of shifting in scheme. Because I feel like that's what that's an area that some schools struggle with is recruiting for a few years after switching defensive scheme. And if K-State is willing to jump on that early, that's 100% something I'm on board with. I feel like we've kind of been trending towards that anyways. Like, I think that they almost were doing that ahead of schedule. Like, uh, Crew Jackson, like he's he's uh, also from Arizona, actually. But uh, <laughs> he, he's listed as a safety you know. recruiting profile, but he's uh, 6'5", like 200 pounds. And I think they're going to have him playing linebacker and i think they may have him in that hybrid defensive end spot then you also have guys like uh, Devontae pritchard who's listed as an athlete although he's he's playing linebacker and he's 6'1 200 and they may put him in that hybrid safety uh linebacker role linebacker role so like they're they're starting to recruit guys that are less locked down to one position and are more moldable and just more athletic mm-hmm. in general that they can kind of plug in at one place if they need them. But if he turns out not to work at that specific spot, they can probably try him somewhere else. So, yeah. so I think hopefully they've been looking ahead at that. I'd imagine they didn't just wake up at on like the last day of the season and be like, you know what? I think we need a <laughs> defensive scheme change. Just <laughs> let's just spring it on them. Why not? Like I, I'm hoping they planned ahead, but, I don't know I've I've assumed things like that before and been totally wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, let's hope that's not the case. 
So the recruiting portion of the show, unless you have anything else to add. I got nothing else. All right. So there, there's other news to talk about in the Kansas State sporting world. And the main one or the next one that I would want to say is the Big 12 Media Day representatives for each of the Big 12 schools was released today. And there are a few things that stood out to me, and I'll start off with the other schools that, so we can get more into K-State specifically towards the end. The, there are a few that kind of make me raise an eyebrow. The two that I'm looking at in particular that I think of as relative snubs, and it could just be because they're the quarterbacks of their respective teams, is Jarrett Daigie out of West Virginia and Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma not representing their team at the Big 12 Media Days. But other than that, there's a lot of names that one would expect, such as Brees Hall representing Iowa State, Nick Bonito, or Bonito. I've never been known how to pronounce that. I think, out it's, of I think, it's, I think it's Bonito. There's two T's. Bonito. Yeah, Bonito. One would, ex- one would expect. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, Max Duggan from TCU. I'm just naming one. There's two for each. And Bijan Robinson for Texas are the notable names. But the names for Kansas State University, the two names that they selected, might come as a surprise to some people, and it might not surprise other people. The members representing Kansas State University at Arlington are quarterback Skylar Thompson and safety slash defensive back Jerron McPherson. And the, what's the one name that everyone is thinking about whenever they hear those two? What name is omitted there? Deucevon. Yeah. It's definitely our most popular player, the one who will get the most national media attention, Deucevon. But at the same time, I 100% understand why they chose the two people they did. They're both old. They're both up there. They're both leaders in their respective fields. Jerron McPherson leading the defense and Skylar Thompson leading the offense. And I feel that those two people are probably going to be the most experienced when it comes to the media, because like it or not, Deuce Vaughn is a 19, 20 year old kid. I hate to call him a kid. He and I are roughly the same age, but He's still, despite the conferences and the media attention, he's probably not the most well-groomed in how to deal with the media. And at a media day where that's your only job is to talk to the media, I feel like leading with your most experienced people in that regard is going to be something that's not necessarily big because it's a media day who really pays a lot of attention to media days for any conference. But putting your best foot forward in that regard is a good move, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll be for slightly different reasons. Uh, like, I'm fine with Skyler uh, being the offensive guy that's there because every team takes an offensive guy and a defensive guy. And I I, I, I get why people were hoping that Deuce Vaughn would be there. And based off his interviews from last year and his postgame stuff, he's a very mature for his age, very professional. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I, I think he probably would have been fine with the media. But I, I, oh, I, th- no. I, yeah, absolutely. I think he'd been fine. I don't think it would have, I don't think he would have embarrassed us. Yeah, but, yeah, he, he wasn't going to put his foot in his mouth or anything is what you're saying. But yeah. Yeah. Like that wasn't going to happen. Like, 
but Skyler, like, I mean, he's your like eighth year starting cornerback or whatever. <laughs> it's actually like year five, but uh, he's been here forever. He's he's like the Perry Ellis of football for us. And, uh, Skyler, uh, he's your most experienced guy on offense. He's a team captain. He's the leader. I mean, what other like generic superlative can you throw his way that doesn't apply? <laughs> but I mean. Uh, he's the guy that you send and deuce he's gonna have like four more media days at k-state and i assume he'll probably be there for all of them because i bet after this year they'll return to what they used to do for formatting which is they'd bring like five players i think and mm-hmm. or the very least that's what bill snyder used to do i don't know if that's standard practice or anything but bring the entire team yeah just bring the whole team to media days they've all got something to say <laughs> but yeah i'm fine with Juron on the defensive side because he's a very similar situation to skyler uh a long tenured guy and i don't know he he's just he's a leader of that unit that i i think they made two really good picks uh however i will say that i thought it was very strange that ou is sending um their fullback or h-back or whatever uh, jeremiah yeah, Hall. Slash, yeah yeah <laughs> Like, well, when you have Spencer Rattler on your team, I don't know why you would send him unless Spencer Rattler just said, I don't want to do it. In which case, I I guess. <laughs> I, I I think it, that this is going to be off on a completely different tangent. First, I feel Spencer Rattler has had enough media attention. What with the fact that he was the star or one of the stars of QB1, the Netflix series. Which, if you want reasons to dislike Spencer Rattler, there are people on the camp who say that the QB1 show did him really dirty in how they portrayed him. And there's an equal amount of people who have come out and said, no, that's about right. But I I feel it either speaks to his attitude or it speaks to the fact that A, he doesn't want to do it, or B, the team doesn't want him to do it because people have seen enough of them on qb1 yeah uh that that might make sense like, like he may he may just not be great with media or may just not like media uh i'm surprised that in that case they wouldn't have sent like a uh, marvin mims or uh yeah someone like that like like another offensive standout and so they sent an h back that like nobody's heard of which is weird and then another thing that stood out to me is that texas tech is sending a k-state season ruiner rico jeffers because uh, he he was the uh, linebacker that was ejected for targeting Skyler, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe that was him. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll duel or something like that. That'd be kind of boo cool. him, boo him, boo him. But I don't know. Boo this man. And then um, I, I was also kind of surprised Texas sent Bijan Robinson at first, but then I also, then I thought about it and was like who else would they send i guess because ellinger's gone and he's basically their big name because i mean he's all over preseason big 12 lists for having like one good game against a pretty not good defense (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but not not the most controversial stuff going on here this is pretty run-of-the-mill uh skyler geron those are two safe picks for K-State, I think. Although, I would not have blamed them at all for picking Deuce if they had. Yeah, I I agree. I, I feel like the, the two picks that they had were, were good picks. Speaking of two good picks, we have two award winners 
one in the national media and one by PFF. And that is Philip Brooks gets kick returner honors by the media and Deuce Vaughn gets PFF all big 12. And first off, we're going to say it again. Find someone who loves you as much as PS PFF loves Deuce Vaughn because it's been pretty much nonstop for the past three months. Every single time you see a PFF post, you will see, hey, Deuce Vaughn's good, and then Iowa State fans mauling in the comment section. Yeah, it's it's a universal, universally accepted thing at this point that I feel like PFF is doing this just to get interactions from Iowa State fans because yeah. <laughs> it, it's inevitable at this point. Uh, yeah, because Deuce was PFF first team. Uh, was it all Big Twelve or was it all American? uh brooks or deuce 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 it was all big 12 gotcha i know brooks was uh all big 12 um which is deserved and uh um deuce from the pff standpoint i totally get why they'd have him be first team because pff loves players that create their own plays and that's something that deuce does exceptionally well and that's also why Brees hall kind of slips in their rankings because uh, their offensive line is uh, very good. And while that's not a knock on Brees, that's not to say Brees is bad. I mean, that'd be a silly thing to say. But it yeah, also no, is saying that Brees didn't have to work as hard for his yardage. And so, and Deuce, they're, they're giving him a lot of credit because he was on a not very good offense and he still produced. And that produced. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping that you weren't going to say anything about that. <laughs> But, but yeah, Deuce, he, uh, he's a PFF darling because he, he creates his own yardage. He creates his own plays. He's a playmaker, and he makes people miss tackles. PFF loves miss tackles. They used to love David Montgomery when he was at Iowa State because he uh, didn't test well agility-wise, but nevertheless, just... Just slippery. Yeah, just slippery guy. Did you think anybody got snubbed? I think that Skyler probably deserved at least an honorable mention for all Big 12 quarterback. I mean, I know no one's dethroning Spencer Rattler as much as it pains me to say, because Spencer Rattler is by and large the best quarterback in the Big 12. But I feel like he at least earned a an honorable mention nod, maybe even a second team. But other than that, corners. Echo Boido. Yeah. Echo Boido didn't get anything which is baffling to me which kind of makes me think that a lot of it is just stat stuff because you look at brooks's kick return stats those are things that you can see you see deuce's stats those are things that you can see you can't see interceptions with echo boido because no one tested echo boido yeah that that is the problem is that uh um, echo boido he was so good that he just didn't get tested ever so yeah <laughs> so like that that's the unfortunate thing about being a great corner and that's why a lot of corners are just really good at recovering uh just get so many because uh, just get so much recognition because it's corners that let a guy go and then are just elite at recover game and they're able to get back and get an interception or pass deflection or just defend the play in some fashion so Neko Boido, he's just a lockdown guy. So he just doesn't pile up the stats. Like he didn't have a single interception, but he was nails the whole year. Yeah. And then Cooper Beebe, I feel, 
could have gotten an honorable mention nod at offensive line, but we're splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, yeah, I think BB, uh, like that would have been a totally fine pick. Uh, I get why they didn't because he he's just very inexperienced, so they were probably just hesitant to, you know, give such a a high honor to somebody that just hasn't really played a whole lot. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. like we we know how good he is. Um, and also on the honorable mention thing, I think they only did one team, so. Oh okay. So it was this is all first team guys. So we only okay. have one guy make first team. Uh, yeah, K State got pretty much left off, other than Philip Brooks in the uh, media preseason. So, so do you have any any snubs in particular, or guys that you think would have made a second or honorable mention team? Um, I think that um, Jax Deneen, he should have been a uh, first team fullback over Jeremiah Hall because Jax Deneen yep. actually does things I've never heard of Jeremiah Hall, and. Other than him being the uh, offensive representative at Media Days instead of Spencer Rattler, which is so, strange. But I guess that speaks to something. I guess so. Um, Deuce would obviously be on the uh, second team because they take two running backs for the first team, and it's Brees Hall and Bajon Robinson, which are probably the top two backs in the conference, and Deuce is third. So by process of elimination, he'll be on the second team. I think you could put Cooper Beebe on the uh, uh, second team, maybe – one of the guards like Josh Revis, uh, probably neither Damn of the tackles, no receivers. Maybe you can find a way to put Daniel matter baby on the honorable mention, just because uh, he's kind of exciting. And I'm not super familiar with the tight ends that are coming back defensively. You have to get echo in there somehow Jerron mm-hmm. in there somehow Julius Brents in there somehow linebackers moving on. And then defensive line. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Defensive line. Yeah, maybe cool. you can, Khalid Duke, maybe honorable mention, maybe second team. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, there's definitely guys. If there were more teams that should have been on there, and I think Jackson should have been first team. So, the, the those are my snubs. Although most of them are just more realistic to be on a little lower team for preseason. Although the the whole team will be first team uh, in the postseason. So. But, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, chip on the shoulder for now. Undefeated. Yeah. And from one PFF topic, from Deuce Vaughn's love, or PFF's love for Deuce Vaughn, we have another PFF topic, and one that, I'm not going to say lit K-State and college football Twitter on fire, but one that certainly raised a few eyebrows. Seth Galina of PFF put out his top 10 head coaches in college football. And the, the top four are are pretty predictable. Number one, Nick Saban. Number two, Dabo Sweeney. Number three, Kirby Smart. Number four, Lincoln Riley. I don't feel like you'll find many people who will disagree. Maybe you'll have a few people that change the order around, maybe Swift, Smart, and Sweeney, but, you know, you're, you're splitting hairs at that point. Number five, Dan Mullen out of Florida. Eh. And then let's just skip down to Matt Campbell makes an appearance at number seven, which, okay, fair. But here's... Here's where it gets interesting. The new University of Kansas head coach, Lance Leipold, is ranked number nine on this head coaching list. That's national. Excuse me. <laughs> that's like that's... Excuse me. Yeah, that that is absolutely atrocious. I I I, I don't know what is happening here. 
mainly because this whole list is a little bit nonsensical because I just don't think their criteria is very consistent. Like Pat Fitzgerald, like, like we're forgetting that he's had some very Awful bad seasons. seasons and he's been good, but he's, he's been a lot like Bruce Weber in that he's had some very high highs like last year. And when they had Trevor Simeon, they had some high highs. Uh, but they've had some seasons where they borderline went winless, and that's been recently, like in the last few years. And so I don't think you can in good conscience put him in the top 10. I think that he did a great job last year, and he took a historically very, very bad program and made them at least somewhat respectable. He should be in the top 20, maybe, maybe top 30, but Mm. six is kind of disgraceful, I think. Matt Campbell, I think you're maybe jumping the gun a little bit on having him in the top 10, Although having him in the 15 to 20 range, I think is fair because he's only had one like truly great season. And that was yeah. kind of an asterisk. Lance Leipold, though, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. When, I, when, I, 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 don't when know. I heard he was ranked number nine, my initial response was in the conference. Yeah. like, like that, that was my genuine response because the only coach that I could think of that was worse whenever I heard it is Dave Aranda of Baylor. And – I looked at that and I said, huh, you know, may- maybe there's something to this. So I went back and, and watched a few games of last year. I watched him. Lance Leipold was the head coach at Buffalo last year. So I went back and I watched a few games of Buffalo. I watched Buffalo play Kent State and I watched them play Ball State. And from what I saw on the field, and it's worth noting that he brought both his defensive and offensive coordinator at Buffalo alongside with him, Brian Borland, the defensive coordinator, and Andy Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator. And what I saw from Buffalo was arguably one of the most schematically milquetoast teams that I have seen in college football. And that is saying a lot because I've seen Scott Frost at Nebraska. And it's – I don't understand – what he did to make people believe he is that special other than maybe his experience, the fact that he's been coaching as long as he has. And if you go by my old philosophy of you don't win a national championship at any level by accident, he won. What is it? Six, six, six at the division three level at the university of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Then he moved up to the Buffalo Bulls, and he had exactly three winning seasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't know where this is coming from. I think what they did, PFF, uh, with this article is they accomplished their goal, which, as we've said before, is to generate controversy and get likes, at least for the most part. Like they do actually have some pretty good content, like in their grading, but their articles are just kind of suspect. But yeah, like like at Wisconsin Whitewater, he, they had a one hundred nine and six record with, uh, with them while he was there, which is unbelievable. Like that's that's incredible, yeah, that's ridiculously good. Yeah, but at the end of the day, they were already a national power, like when he got there, and he maintained that, which he deserves credit for, and he did well. But then he gets to Buffalo, which is lower than the current level of competition he's going to be at. And Buffalo was not horrible before. I mean, they weren't good at all, but he still he still didn't do great. He was uninspiring, is what I would say. Like I watched yeah. them in their bowl game last year, 
they were not that great, I will say. No. Like, the only thing they can hang their hat on is that they're very good at running. They're very efficient at running the ball. But I don't see where KU has the ability to do that because they don't have the O-line for it. They don't have the O-line to do much of anything. And they have Velton Gardner. They lost Puka Williams. <laughs> yeah, they, are. they lost Puka. They have Velton Gardner, but, like, in between the tackles, zone running, that's not his game. So... I, I don't know what Leifold's going to do at all. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I, and here's, here's the thing with me, is his specific positioning here at, at number nine, uh, and here's what I think is happening, because first off, I no matter what you think of Ryan Day, I think it's a crime that he was left out of the top ten. Exactly. I, I don't like Ohio State. Let me be abundantly clear. Every fiber of my being despises Ohio State. And I think it's BS. I think it's completely ridiculous to leave Ryan Day outside of the top six. Honestly, I think you can make an argument that he's top five. I think you could slant him above Dan Mullen. Yeah, he should be above Dan Mullen, honestly. Honestly, I put him above Kirby Smart, too. I'd put him at three, leave Lincoln at four, put Kirby at five, and just scoot everybody back. Yeah. That's why. And I. There are a bunch of other coaches that I could list that I think are just out, just outright better than Leipold. And what I think is happening, I think Scott Frost syndrome is happening to where you'll get a group of five school, a group of five coach that had success, not to the level of Scott Frost had at UCF because that's ridiculous, but you have a, a coach that's a hot name coming up who worked at a group of five school, moving up to a power five school, and a lot of times what happens when that occurs, a lot of times you get people like Scott Frost at Nebraska who just end up being painfully mediocre hires that just get ranked really well because of their success at a lower level and then try to continue exactly what they were doing at a lower level without realizing it doesn't work. And that's the number one concern with me. Well, it's not a concern for me. I think it's funny. I'm a K-State fan. I think that's awesome. But he's going to bring alongside his offensive and defensive coordinators that already didn't impress me at a lower level, and he's going to bring them to a Power 5 conference. I don't think that's going – I think that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and if you want to look at the situation and uh, say there's a bad history, group of five to Power 5 coaching stories – uh, if, if you want to make that comparison, I say there's no better comparison than Turner Gill from Buffalo to KU because it's the exact same yeah, situation. The exact same school. Yeah, Turner Gill, he was the, I think he coached KU for two years, maybe, because uh, he, he had 2010 and 2011 after Mark Mangino was fired. And then they fired him after he won like four games in two years. And they hired Charlie Weiss, and that put them into the situation they're in now. But Turner Gill, he was like a promising young hire out of Buffalo where he hadn't been terrible. And then, then he got to KU and couldn't succeed because they just wouldn't commit to the program. And until they actually do it, I'm just going to believe they aren't because they said they were going to do that with less miles. And yeah, no, they did not. (laughs) So I, I don't, I don't have much else to say about this other than it's kind of ridiculous. I think they knew it was ridiculous and Anyone that believes it, I'd love to hear why you think that. Yeah, it, I we're gonna 
we're probably going to beat that to death and also laugh about it when we beat KU. <laughs> we're yeah. Oh, top nine. Where's your top nine coach now, fools? Yeah, like I. <sighs> I, I don't know. It's definitely not going to be this year when he's a top nine coach, maybe in like a decade. Cause I mean, that no. team, if you thought it was bad last year with less miles, Oh my gosh. We ain't seen nothing yet. All of their promising young players transferred are gone other than like Kwame Lasseter. And, and that's it actually. That That's literally it because Karan no, Prati, he transferred after a while too. Honestly, I think they should have stuck with their interim coach instead of hiring Leipold. I think they should have. Yeah, st- I, I, I like their interim coach. Yeah, and I'm not, Emmett, I'm Emmett not Jones is a from... very likable guy, and yeah, no. I, I think he would have been better for them this year than Leipold because then they would have been able to utilize the actual coaching window because they waited to hire a new coach until well after the normal window. Which I mean, granted, oh, they yeah. couldn't control that because of the whole situation with Les Miles, but at that point. Just stick with the interim guy, I think. Just ride, ride that out for the year. And if it turns out to suck, well, he was an interim anyways, and you were going to suck anyways. Like, yeah. oh, well. And the, and, the word out of, and the word out of the KU camp was that everyone liked Emmett Jones. Yeah. That was the word out of the KU camp. Yeah, and then and they, yeah. I, yeah, and then they, uh, they get, they get Leipold. I, li- I liked him. They get Leipold, and then all of a sudden, the very few remaining talented players, they leave. Uh, Karan Pranti... Yeah. Uh, Dejan Terry uh, on the defensive line, like those, those were guys that were promising going into the future, athletic guys. And Leipold arriving, that was enough for them. So that's not. Like, we're, this is schmacked. I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. They uh they gave up on it. So uh, that's not at all promising. If they were willing to play KU for less miles, but Lance Leipold showed up and they were like, no, no way. <laughs> yeah, I, that this does not bode well. But yeah. Moral of the story, Lance Leipold's not a top nine coach. I think he's maybe a top half of FBS coach. But I feel like even that, you you could have a healthy spirited debate. I'd put I feel like he was top 90. Yeah, I'd say he's probably like top 65. But I feel like it was a lateral move from what Emmett Jones could have given you. Mm-hmm. And, and with and also, just, yeah, way less moment commitment. of silence for Emmett Jones. Moment of silence for Emmett Jones because that guy got screwed. Poor guy. Poor guy. You go to KU, but I can still respect you and say, poor guy. But if you're here for K-State news, as as in what's happening in reality, this is kind of where the episode falls off. Because now we're going into the world where Connor and or Ace control everything in the world. And he and I, well, we're going to realign some conferences today. I, I had so much fun with this. I am glad that we decided to do this because yeah, I ran out of things to board at work. Yeah, I ran out of things to do at work. I sent all the emails I needed to and couldn't do anything else. So I said, well, I'm just going to start a Google spreadsheet and I'm going to realign some conferences. And I did too many scenarios. Yeah, and you did how many? Four? Four. I did four. And they're yeah, all so... they're all fairly different for the most part. Yeah, so I'll... I'll just go over mine first so you can go off and I can provide commentary on yours. Because believe it or not, I only have the one. <laughs> so, well, we'll just start off with the Power Five. And by all means, provide commentary as we go. So the, the Power Five, we're going to start at the top with the ACC, which the current schools in the ACC 
are Boston College, Clemson, Duke, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami of Florida, North Carolina State, North Carolina, Pittsburgh with an H, Syracuse, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. Now, we're going to do just a three-team trade here. Dropping out of the ACC are Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Louisville. Why? Because Georgia Tech is the number one school that I think of when I think of mediocre ACC team. Is that completely fair? Probably not. But just from what I've seen of them, they've been the mediocre ACC team. I think that's fair for the most part. Maybe Wake Forest or Boston College. Maybe Wake Forest. Yeah. And Georgia Tech, that's fair, fair play. Yeah, Georgia Tech, I also kind of saw, well, that's slightly outside of them regionally. I suppose I'll tell you what I'm considering for my realignment. Both geography, geography was important, but the number one thing that I thought was important was competition within the conference. So basically, if you're a school that just kind of takes up space, this is going to sound very rude. If you're just kind of a school that takes up space in your current conference, you're probably going to get moved down. And if you're a school that's currently pantsing your conference, you're probably going to get moved up. Syracuse is an example of a school that I've seen get pants on multiple occasions, be it by Clemson or Virginia, both of which were hilarious games to watch a few years ago. And Louisville, I just thought, was not necessarily the greatest fit in terms of region. We'll go into where those schools, where they're going to later. But in their stead, you have the University of Central Florida, UCF, West Virginia, and Coastal Carolina. You have any uh, you have any thoughts on that? Um, coastal, I, I'm I'm happy that Coastal is uh, getting a move up in this scenario. I think that we're quite a ways away from something like that happening. But uh, I, I rule like, the world in this scenario. Yeah, you do rule the world though. So uh, in this scenario, like you do you. West Virginia, I think, makes a ton of sense realistically speaking, especially the Big Twelve are doing some maneuvering. Uh, UCF and the ACC, I I don't have any problems with that. Other than, I guess it would be like sad for the American Conference, but it would be good for UCF. It'd be very good for UCF, and they wouldn't be bad at all. Spoilers: the American Conference gets just mugged by this. They oh, just boy. get robbed. I am looking ahead, so. and you're absolutely right. This is really tragic yeah. for the American Conference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe have worse schools next time. But in Georgia Tech is going to head to the Sun Belt Conference. Syracuse, where do I have Syracuse going? Syracuse is is going to the MAC, and Louisville is going to the next school on the conference realignment, and that is the Big Ten, or what is currently the Big Ten, and what will be called the Big 14 after my realignment, because, yes, the Big 12 currently has 10 schools, and the Big Ten has 14. I'm just going to leave that one there. So the current schools in the Big Ten are Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Two schools drop, two schools come on in. The two schools getting dropped are Illinois, who I forgot to write down, say they just stopped being a football program, and Rutgers who will be transferring 
to Conference USA. And in their stead comes Louisville, who I mentioned in the ACC section, and, drumroll please, Notre Dame joining the Big 14 Conference. And in the Eastern Division, alongside Michigan and Ohio State, alongside Penn State as well. And that that would so, be a very fun conference, I think, because, I mean, Rutgers, unless Greg Schiano gets things turned around here in the next couple of years, which, I mean, I guess it's possible. Uh, like it's po- It can happen. He's been I the guess. only coach to ever really be successful there in, like, the last 50 years. So if it's going to be mm-hmm. anyone, it'll be him. But we'll see. <laughs> and, but, but Notre Dame, uh, I like them being in the Big Ten. I know they played in the ACC this past year, but they feel more like a Big Ten school to me. Yeah, and you and I discussed this. They just feel like a Big Ten school. Yeah, like like they I, even though they play in the ACC, I I, I honestly I don't care. And they, I don't care. They 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 they, they, uh, they just feel like a Big Ten school. Just I, I I think the difference is in how they carry themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the Big Ten thinks very highly of themselves. Think themselves. <laughs> and when I hear thinks highly of themselves, I think of Notre Dame because. Like, I mean, they've stayed independent for this long because they have their own TV contract. And, like, you, yeah, you have to think pretty highly of yourself to do that. I mean, look at Texas. Yeah. And then the Big Louis- Ten is, Louis- is, is what happens when the SEC can read. Basically, yeah. That, you're pretty much right. <laughs> no arguments here. So, uh, complete side tangent. Who do you think – what team do you think is the good guys of the Big Ten? The good guys – um i think indiana i'm gonna say honestly i'm gonna go on a limb here and say wisconsin because real i can yeah i can agree because i think no grammars oh i mean yeah i don't love grammars but wisconsin as a whole they're like the least like offensive good school in that uh uh conference like they're they're better than, or I shouldn't say they're better. They're more tolerable than Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Nebraska. Like, they're more tolerable than most of the uh, schools in this conference. I, if yeah. Iowa didn't constantly steal recruits from us, honestly, it'd probably be <laughs> them. But because they do that, we have a personal vendetta now. And, yeah. and it would be. Indiana is a solid one. Uh, Northwestern could be it if they're consistently better dragon slayers but they kind of aren't like they normally just aren't that good at all and they're not really beating the good teams most of the time wisconsin is like that good team that doesn't act like a good team they just act like a team yeah Yeah, and they just hang out they just hang out in the top 10 all season and they're like yeah yeah yeah, we're we're just here like we're 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 gonna lose a game and get knocked out of the playoff but man we are here how are we in the top 10 (laughs) just run the ball yeah, do different types of motions out of formations and run the ball the Wisconsin way and have ridiculously good linemen. That's also the Wisconsin way. Ton of good linemen. Yeah. So the Big Ten, and now we're moving on to the Big 12, which, pause for a second, will actually have 12 teams. Everybody cheer. We'll give a second for you to... to jump in jubilation <laughs> you don't have to explain to your annoying family member why oh it's why is it called the big 12 there are 10 teams 
yeah, like we just solved that problem for you because now there's yeah. 12 teams. Yeah. So current schools are Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. We've already mentioned West Virginia is gone to the ACC. Good riddance. And it, I hate West Virginia so much. They just don't vibe with the Big 12. Like, no. I, they they just annoy me. And I, I'm happy to see them go. If for no other reason than geographically, they just, they don't make a ton of sense here. They should be elsewhere. Go be in the ACC. Yeah. Go be, go be elsewhere. And in their stead, we're actually adding three teams because we got to have 12. And this is the one that I'm most excited about because Connor and I have discussed this dream scenario for so long. And that is adding Cincinnati and Houston. And the third school that might surprise him is SMU. SMU, that does surprise me a little bit, but in a realistic-ish scenario, they are going to be a lot easier to get than one of the former Big 8 schools. Like, it's going to be yeah. very hard to draw back uh, Nebraska or Mizzou or A&M or Colorado. Getting mm-hmm. a group of five school that's performed at a high level recently that just hasn't quite been able to break through because of their group of five status, so they're seen as a little guy all the time. Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Houston, SMU are going to be easy pickings for the Big 12 if they really wanted to add them that badly because that's just going to up their, their reputation almost immediately. And they're... Uh, they did reflect well on the Big 12 because, honestly, Cincinnati, they, they were very good last year, and they would have made the Big 12 look better in football. Houston would have made us look a lot better in basketball because they went to the yep. uh, Final Four. And then SMU, they were really good in football as well. And mm-hmm. um, they're in Texas. Houston and SMU are both in Texas, so they have that recruiting hotbed to draw from. And uh, Cincinnati, they just have been kind of good for some reason. I mean, they used to be a lot like really good but they kind of went through a lull but now they have desmond ritter quarterback and they're just a pretty exciting team honestly yep and this is also the first team that going into it just had no divisions so because you always have the big 12 ads that say everyone plays everyone like that's not just a consequence of having nine other teams right but that's unfortunate but the truth yeah so We have two divisions, which you can separate into North and South, or as I like to call them, North and Texas, plus Oklahoma State. So in the North, you have Cincinnati, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. And in the South, you have Houston, Oklahoma State, SMU, TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech. Now, you may be asking yourself, wait, geographically, Norman is farther south than Stillwater. Well, yes, but at the same time, I know a lot of people would complain if you put Oklahoma and Texas in the same division, and anyone who wins the other division would be called the winner of the clown division. And I'm not going to listen to that. Excuse me. Wait. I'm just not going to listen to that. Uh, you could put in Oklahoma State in the north if you put Baylor in the south, because I think you forgot to include Baylor in your divisions. Unlucky. <laughs> yeah, so then it, it uh, truly did. becomes I a did. Texas division. Because it's literally all Texas schools. Baylor. I completely forgot Baylor existed. <laughs> I mean, fair, honestly. I wish they didn't exist, period. But, you know, we can't so, have what we wish for, so. Okay, so it's going to the Liberty Bowl again. Oh, so, but, <laughs> so, correction. 
you have the North Division and then the Texas Division. Which, yeah, it is actually know, the Texas Division. So you make every Texan happy by saying, you know, they have their own division. You'll still have the SEC purists who will root for Texas A&M anyway. But you have those two divisions. Everyone's happy. And we have 12 schools. Oh, and by the way, the Oklahoma-Texas Red Rover rivalry, that'll be a protected game that is played every year. As it should be. Alongside uh, alongside the other rivalries, like the, the cross, well, I suppose, I keep looking at it again. But a lot of the main rivalry games will remain intact just by virtue of division, but the Red mm-hmm. River rivalry would be one that would be separated. So that's going to be a protected game. And obviously, as a fan of a Big 12 school, I'm actually really excited for that. Not because I think playing those schools is necessarily going to be the best for us, like we're going to win every game, because I reasonably do expect for at least a couple of years, if this happened tomorrow, we would lose to Cincinnati. Honestly, yeah, we probably would. They're just they're just straight up good. So yeah, they're just a very good team. But that's that's the Big Twelve, and now the Pac Twelve, which are not subtracting any teams, rather they are adding two, and those two are getting both promoted from the Mountain West Division, and those two schools are Boise State and San Diego State, which. Aside from being regional fits, Boise State has been perennially good in the Mountain West, as has San Diego State in the past few years. So just add them to increase competition in the Pac-12 after dark hours. I I really like the addition of Boise State because I think the Pac-12 is the only natural fit for them other than uh, the Mountain West because they actually they were in talks to join the American for football only, but the American wouldn't take them for football only. They would they were going to require them to include all their other sports, but then they couldn't figure out the logistics of having their volleyball team have to play central Florida and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Because their, their athletic department just couldn't afford that. And then the mountain West wouldn't let them uh, switch their football. to the American or else they'd kick them out. So the PAC 12 was, I think the only way it works geographically for Boise state and San Diego state has been pretty good recently. So uh, they had Rashad Penny a few years ago, right? That was that was them, right? Yeah, yeah. So yep. uh, they produce some NFL talent. Boise State they they've been good for almost two decades at this point, and uh, that's good for the now Pac-14. So Pac-14. congratulations to your your additions. You you came out of this pretty well, honestly. Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> There's one school in particular who did not escape this very well. And that is what we're going to talk about in the SEC. The SEC is not adding a school. However, they are dropping one. Moment of silence for, you all know who it is, moment of silence for Vanderbilt. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. You'll be missed. No. You're going to the All-American. You're going to the American Conference. That is very sad for Vanderbilt because they don't get a free ride on the... uh, um, SEC the SEC train. Team. Yeah, they, they don't get a free ride on the SEC media deal anymore and just get millions of dollars to do nothing except for baseball. Nothing. And but honestly though, the Americans probably a better fit for them anyways, uh, from a competition standpoint. They may actually win some football games. And I also will preview mine a little bit and say that in my preferred realistic scenario, I also have Vanderbilt going to the American conference. So I appreciate that. Uh that we're we're kind of thinking the same 
wavelength there because Vanderbilt just doesn't belong in the SEC because they because they either suck really bad at what they do or they dominate in what they do and they only dominate in one thing and that is baseball so and that is baseball and they're very very good at that but they'd be good at they'd be just as good at that in the American Conference so yeah where conference parity isn't that big a deal or isn't as big a deal mm-hmm. <clears throat> well that that's power five out of the way now we're just going to speed through the group of five where both a group of fives I have two FCS schools moving up a division. So the American Conference lost four schools, Cincinnati, Houston, SMU, and UCF. I told you the American Conference That's got That's really tough. That is really, really tough for the American East. Conference. They're going to be begging I mean, Wichita State to uh, bring back football. <laughs> team. But I, and they still have Tulane and Temple who are decent teams. Plus mm-hmm. – they're going to add Vanderbilt from the SEC, Liberty from an independent, and James Madison University moving up from FCS to join the All-American Conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anything is uh, going to replace those losses for the American Conference, although that is a decent consolation for them, like poaching an SEC school, or I guess more accurately, like taking in a lost and abandoned SEC school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then we'll uh, play football for. <laughs> yeah, then Liberty comes in, which uh, they were very good last year. They beat Coastal Carolina in their bowl game, right? I believe so. Right. Yeah, they did, because they had that crazy ending. And then James Madison, uh, they've been very successful the S- at the FCS level. And if it weren't for North Dakota State existing, they probably would have a few national championships. Oh, so. definitely. Uh, so James Madison, they, they've earned the promotion, skipping some of the lower level group of fives, going straight to the, uh, American, AKA power six. And, yeah. uh, so that, that's a, that's a big jump for James Madison. Uh, so that's a good landing spot for them. And conference USA, they're not dropping anybody, but they are adding Rutgers because Rutgers. Yeah. And that's, that's a decent ad. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. I mean, they, come in and go from being one of the worst teams in the big 10 to being one of the best teams in conference USA. And I am good for them. Yep. Uh, the Mac is adding Syracuse, which. If you remember fine. what I said about Rutgers and conference Rutgers. USA about 15 seconds ago, just take that, <laughs> but substitute Rutgers for Syracuse. Yeah. Now the mountain West is where a little bit of interesting things happen. Because they lost two of their best schools in Boise State and San Diego State. I propose that they add a school that was very hot this last year and a school that's been very hot at the FCS level. Joining the Mountain West Conference is Brigham Young University and North Dakota State. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's good because they lose their best football school and probably their second best football school. So, yeah. so by, and then they um, add in BYU, who's been enormously successful in the last uh, couple of seasons. And uh, they also, uh, this has been actually several years, but back when they had Taysom Hill, they just absolutely dismantled Texas. <laughs> yeah. Which was funny. And Taysom Hill went for like 270 rushing against them, <laughs> a 15 and a half a carry. And then North Dakota state, uh, produced Chris Kleiman, sends him here. He's now our head coach. We're grateful for that. And then uh, they deserve to be on the FBS level because they've 
beaten several FBS teams, several good FBS teams, and mm-hmm. a couple not so good FBS teams. But they beat they beat you. Yeah, they beat in uh, K State and uh, Iowa. I th- probably beat Iowa State. I don't actually know off the top of my head. I'm just assuming they did. And uh, <laughs> I there. Once you know the status North Dakota yeah, State has, like they're honestly a a middle a mid tier uh, FBS school. And I think the Mountain West is a perfect spot for them to grow in that role. So good for North Dakota yep. State. Yep. And finally wrapping it up with the Sun Belt. I'm not going to touch the independence. We're it's just a team trade of Coastal Carolina and Georgia Tech. And that is my full FBS conference rework. And I gotta say, if this happened. The conferences that I feel would benefit the most are the Big 12 and the Big 10. I think that uh, you're probably right there. I think it's the Big 12, the Big 10. Um, gosh, Pac-14. Pac-14, they do they do pretty well. Um, I don't think they do quite as well, although the not dropping any schools and just adding talent is very good for them. Uh, the Big 12, they drop a geographically uh, unviable school and add three geographically viable schools that are all quality teams. So there's absolutely nothing to complain about there, I think, with the exception of I wish the original Big 12 was still intact, but that's kind of a pipe dream. Uh, then the Big 10, uh, Illinois has disappeared and gone somewhere. Rutgers. Has, <laughs> gone. Gone. Uh, yeah, they have simply vanished off the face of the earth. If you see Brad Underwood. <laughs> like Baylor, apparently. Yeah, if you see where Brad Underwood is gone, please like contact his family. He's probably just roaming about. <laughs> then uh, Rutgers is uh, being sent to Conference USA uh, into eternal purgatory. Unfortunate for them. Uh, Notre Dame, Louisville, solid ads for them. Nothing to complain about there. And then... Um, the most of the group of fives, um, they normally most of them come out even, with the exception of the American that just gets absolutely get destroyed. Fleeced. They just get absolutely. The American conference they've been doing so well recently. This realignment scenario just destroys all the momentum that they have. Like the only way that this can get better for them is if they were to add like Appalachian State or something like that. That would salvage the situation, but they'd still lose. And yeah. <laughs> then like a lot of these group of fives, they like add one former power five and don't do anything else and the mountain west they basically stay even i think honestly adding byu north dakota state or boise state and san diego state that's about an even trade almost although losing boise that does really hurt if byu can be consistent that's good north dakota state can be seven and five eight and four which i think they're totally capable of Mm -hmm. uh then that's a solid trade but i i like the scenario um especially because this is a, a world where you have full control. I couldn't decide what I wanted to do for mine, so I just did four. And <laughs> and I uh, so I guess we'll just kind of segue into, into mine now. Yep. And uh, I came up with four scenarios. They're titled the realistic scenario, the preferred realistic scenario, the preferred unrealistic scenario, <laughs> And then, and then the nuclear, nuclear option. <laughs> Which ends up with two conferences massacred and gone, by the way. This, yeah, see if you can guess them before we get to them. But we'll start with the realistic. This is what I think will actually happen. And what I think will actually happen is not much at all. 
I think there's a lot of hype going around uh, realignment at the moment. I ultimately don't think much happens. Uh, most conferences come out unscathed here. Uh, the Big 12, nothing happens. SEC, nothing happens. Pac-12, nothing happens. And Conference USA, nothing happens. Two independents join conferences. Army joins uh, the MAC, and New Mexico State joins the Mountain West temporarily until the uh, the WAC uh, gets back to FBS, which they I believe they are planning on doing. Uh, oh, really? Uh, allegedly. Uh, they, I think I was reading an article. They said they want to be back in FBS by about 2030. And they're going to be bringing some FCS schools with them, like Abilene Christian. Oh, dude, awesome! I won't remember it by then. <laughs> what? Why not? That's big news. <laughs> and then, oh, uh, dude, we'll still definitely be doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, to our audience of millions. And uh, <laughs> the ESPN show. Yep. And then uh, Appalachian State. I have them leaving the Sun Belt and joining the American because I think Appalachian State is too good for the Sun Belt. And I think they're not quite good enough to join a Power Five, so the Americans just the perfect balance for them. Then you're um, gonna leave Coastal there uh, for now belt? because Appalachian's been consistently good. Coastal had the one good season, so th- this is what I think would actually. This is still what I think will actually happen. Oh, what you would actually? Yeah, okay. This I forgot. Is, this yeah, is th- not the full yeah, this isn't necessarily world. what I do. This is what I think the real conferences will do when realignment comes. And then I have the Big Ten. This is the only stuff that I might consider a stretch. Uh, I have Maryland and Rutgers leaving the Big Ten and joining the ACC because I think the ACC has a little bit more of their speed. And I think Maryland was there anyways until recently, if I recall. And then... Uh, Maybe. I, I actually have no idea. No, I might be totally lying. But uh, Rutgers was in the Big East until that completely dissolved. And I ripped the Big East. And so I just threw them in the ACC because they just keep getting destroyed in the Big Ten. So maybe a lot better luck in the ACC. But that's it, honestly, for my uh, what I think will actually happen scenario. So we can. Do you have anything you want to say about that? Like, or just all pretty standard stuff? It's all pretty standard. Oh, and up until 2013, Maryland was in the ACC. I thought. I I was pretty sure about that. 60-year run from 1953 to ni- to 2013 that they were in the ACC. I don't know why they left, because things have I... not gotten better for them. No, <laughs> they have two as little brother. He's good. That's that's it, though, right? That's they they beat Texas yeah. that one time. Or they beat him yeah, twice, they beat didn't te- they? I... I don't know. They beat him at least once. Yeah, but... We the, all, the we all made fun say... of them for it. That's all I remember. <laughs> Everybody pointed and laughed at Texas, per tradition. Then. <laughs> they can be doing well when you point and laugh at them. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, Texas, just don't try and avoid it. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's inevitable. Yeah. The only thing I'd say I disagree with is is Maryland moving at all. Because I feel like Maryland is is decent in the Big Ten. But uh, honestly, everything I could say there is, is just kind of a nitpick. Yeah. And I, I, I agree that this is a, a realistic scenario where – Vanderbilt gets to keep the SEC status. Yeah, like Vanderbilt, I think they'll ultimately just kind of throw them a bone and like allow them to stay because they boost their academic ratings, if nothing else. Okay. And Maryland, uh, I guess it is possible they would stay in the Big Ten, but because the ACC does get really big in this scenario, I think they have like 16 teams. Uh, So, although they would be an odd number if they uh, didn't take Maryland. So I guess this will require them dropping 
uh, like Boston College or Georgia Tech or Wake Forest or someone like that. Um, then this is my, uh, this is when we get into a realistic scenario, but this is what I would like to see while keeping it realistic. Uh, once again, Army joins the MAC. Uh, New Mexico State once again joins the Mountain West. And then I once again have Maryland joining the ACC, but that is it for similarities. Um, mm -hmm. I have Rutgers. They do leave the Big Ten, but I send them to the American Conference Purgatory as well as Vanderbilt. I have them leaving the <laughs> SEC and joining the American. And the American definitely loses this trade because they send off Cincinnati and Houston to the Big 12, who returns to 12 teams and allows West Virginia to continue to exist for some reason. And, for some reason. And that's all I have for that. I, I've heard the Big 12 does not want to expand, but if they were going to, and this is what I prefer, I think that's what it would be right now. If you asked me like three years ago, it would probably be like Louisville and Houston because they mm -hmm. wanted to add Louisville instead of West Virginia initially during conference realignment, but then they just kind of didn't do that. And I don't know why, because I'd rather have Louisville and uh, West Virginia. I, uh... I mean, Louisville's had some, some issues, but Honestly, I'd be fine with that because that's their problem, not ours. So yeah. <laughs> if anything else, it would bring some attention to the conference and it wouldn't be our fault if they if they suck. They could just be the uh, troubled younger sibling. Okay, you. Mm -hmm. But do they... How do you Both think? universally agreed upon. <laughs> they, uh, so do you have anything you want to say about, uh, about this one? It's pretty similar to the previous one with a few additions. Yeah, not... I don't really have anything to say about it. Um, the only thing that I wish was was brought up by either of us was we and maybe just bringing it up as like a protected game. You have to let MU and Colorado play each other because that rivalry was one of the most underratedly intense rivalries in all of football for uh, so long. You say uh, Mizzou and Colorado. Yep, I, I they I don't have to be in the same them. conference. I nearly brought them back for. Um, I preferred unrealistic, but I decided against it at the last second. Unfortunately, if I had known that, then I may have that may have uh, tilted me the other direction. But so okay, the story time, I guess. Oh, My well. mother attended the University of Missouri for, I believe, two years, and she, in that time, she was able to attend one University of Colorado versus University of Missouri home game. The rivalry was so intense that it didn't only just go onto the field, right? You know, normally whenever you have rivalries, you can tell the people on the field are in a rivalry game, but everyone else in the stands, they're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're rivals, but we don't hate each other, right? Right, right. Um, MU Colorado was completely different. Apparently, source my mother, there were genuinely fistfights in the stands between the fans of each school because that's how much they hated each other. <laughs> that is particularly unusual, I'll say. I had no idea because Colorado Mizzou is just not a rivalry that you would really think is a rivalry. Think about yeah, you what do you, you think of the main rivalry between MU is MU and KU. Yeah. That's MU. No. <laughs> Incorrect. It is MU and Colorado. They despise each other. <laughs> Do you know why? No. <laughs> it's just because. It's, Let's see if Google knows. I'm. I've honestly, I've never heard of this rivalry before. Is there a name for it? There should be a catchy name. 
there probably was a, a, a catchy name back when they were the back when they were in the same conference. But apparently, Google doesn't know. I don't know Apparent, I think it just might be like a, a very old uh, old conference rivalry. Or just good old fashioned hatred, which I think is actually the name of a different rivalry. Now that I'm thinking about it, so maybe not that. Yeah. Is it good old fashioned hate? Yeah, I, I forget who that is, but I'm pretty sure that it's like Georgia a, and Georgia Tech. Right. I think it's great that they have a rivalry name that. <laughs> Georgia Georgia leads by a significant margin. It's not as bad as Colorado and Colorado State, but it's still a rivalry. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on to my preferred unrealistic, unrealistic scenario. And this is where the spreadsheet starts to get very colorful. Because very I, colorful. Because I, I color-coded uh, all of these red for a team leaving and then green for an addition. So... <laughs> There's a lot of colors here. It's nowhere near as bad. Well, actually, it's kind of close to the nuclear option, but... <laughs> no, it's, it's not as bad. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's not as bad. It's approaching in terms of color, but there's just some walls of color in the nuclear option. <laughs> but, Two uh, conferences died for this. At what cost? <laughs> at what cost? The preferred unrealistic... Um, every conference is affected in some fashion by this, although some get out much better than others. <laughs> uh, for one, in this situation, I rid the NCAA of independence. I, in this world, I'm forcing every independent school to join a conference under penalty of life imprisonment. <laughs> so, Army. There's that, I guess. The Army once again joins the MAC. And I also have UMass. They're an independent. They join the MAC. And then uh, BYU, they join the Pac 12. And that's the only thing that happens to the Pac 12 in this situation. And that's yep. those two, are, that's the only thing that happens to the MAC as well. So they come out pretty well. Um, New Mexico State goes to the Mountain West. That's the only thing that happens to the Mountain West. And that's basically it for good things. So <laughs> after, it, after this, what it's. Happened to it's bad. What uh, I did to the American is what he did to the Sun Belt. <laughs> the Sun Belt and the Conference USA, they, there's no other way to describe it other than cannibalization. They're and, down atrocious. Yeah, the, uh, Liberty, they join Conference USA as in a, switching from independent to their UConn. I have been joining the American. I know that's not really realistic because they literally just left the American Conference because... They were either bad at everything or way too good at Go everything, back. because because <laughs> they uh they were getting destroyed in football all the time. But they were they I don't think they ever lost a conference game in women's basketball in like six years in the conference, and they only had two with it like in single digits. So <laughs> so they just left and went independent. Notre Dame, uh, the last independent on this list, they joined the Big Ten, and. And then moving on from them, I'll start with a group of fives and work our way up. We'll start with the mess that is the Sun Belt and Conference USA. <laughs> so I was going through here and I realized that there's some geographical crossovers between the Sun Belt and Conference USA. And in Connor's world, we cannot have that. So what I ended up doing was I I uh, took all of the Texas schools that are in Conference USA and just dropped them into the Sun Belt with reckless abandon. And in 
retaliation, I had the Sun Belt take Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, and Georgia State and drop them in the Conference USA. Oh, and just by the way, the Texas schools in Conference USA are North Texas, Rice, UTEP, and UTSA. And the Sun Belt also loses Appalachian State to the American. And then for the or American, purgatory. <laughs> and for the American, they lose Cincinnati and Houston to the Big Twelve. However, they add six schools. Uh, one of them is already mentioned: Appalachian State. I mean, Boston College coming over from the ACC, Louisville from the ACC, Rutgers from the Big Ten. Uh, they they got UConn. We already mentioned, and then Baylor leaves <laughs> the Big Twelve because I hate them. And they, you they just don't want Baylor here. Yeah, they are you relegated to the American Conference. If it were up to me, I know it's not realistic, but I would send Baylor to Division Three because <laughs> I hate them. And so that that also revealed a lot of uh, the switches in the Big Twelve. So I'll just go to the Big Twelve now. Baylor leaves. They go to the American. They add Cincinnati, Houston, and. They get rid of West Virginia. They send them to the ACC. And then they also bring back uh, Missouri and Nebraska. Missouri comes back from the SEC, and Nebraska returns to the Big Ten. The Big Ten ships off Maryland uh, to the – gosh, where did they send Maryland? The ACC. And then Rutgers. Maryland's gone like Illinois. <laughs> yep. And they just disappear off the face of the earth. Maryland <laughs> goes to the ACC. Nebraska to the Big 12. Notre Dame comes in from being independent. Rutgers, as we mentioned, they're in the American. And that leaves us with the ACC and SEC. Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Louisville, they all leave. And Boston College goes, and Boston College and Louisville go to the American. American. And Georgia Tech, I send them to the SEC. And then. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Good old fashioned hate is back, but that's about it. And then the ACC adds Maryland, West Virginia, and Vanderbilt which now spoiled the, the end of this. The SEC adds uh, Georgia Tech, as we said. Then Mizzou leaves and Vanderbilt leaves the SEC. So Georgia Tech replaces Vanderbilt as the conference's resident good at smart people school. <laughs> just to keep their academic ratings out of the toilet. And uh, that's it for the preferred unrealistic scenario. Do you have any thoughts on uh, this uh, hellscape? No, this is not a hellscape. <laughs> this is not a hellscape. I mean, comparatively, yes, but in a vacuum, how do you feel about this realignment? It, in a vacuum, I feel like you moving Baylor to the American is completely unnecessary. <laughs> it's preferred unrealistic, but it's what I prefer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, like, if, it, if I could truly get what I preferred, I would have them be the only independent and then ban teams from scheduling them. <laughs> They have to play Division Three school. I'm sorry, that's their penance for being terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I can't see anything that I that I find egregious on this, you know. It, and you get the the good old fashioned hate rivalry between Georgia and Georgia Tech. So yeah, some bringing back and some, now, some old hatred. But now we move on to to the assassination yeah. of two different conferences. Yeah, as you said, the previous one is not egregious. This is. This is extremely egregious. This, oh is, this is a borderline felony in the United States, what I'm about to do to the college football landscape. It's, I'm it's about horrible. to end it all. <laughs> for, for one, though, not all the independents uh, are stolen 
Some of them remain independent. Liberty, Notre Dame, UConn say where they are. But Army, BYU, New Mexico State, and UMass all are promoted out of the independent and put somewhere else. And there are also five FCS promotions in this because they were required due to uh, some unfortunate deaths Reasons. in the family <laughs> of the Power Five. <laughs> so picture this. I don't want to I, I had a, I had a storyline going through my head while I was doing this, and a lot of it revolved on one choice, and that was what would Texas do? And <laughs> in perfect Texas fashion, perfect Texas fashion, They've ruined everything and indirectly caused the destruction of two conferences and created two new ones. (laughs) So just all by one choice by Texas taking their ball and going home and bringing the other Texas schools with them along with the Oklahomas. They, they destroyed what remained of the big 12 DCU, Texas, Texas tech, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state all leave. They don't take Baylor because screw Baylor. And so Baylor, <laughs> Iowa State, KU, K-State, and West Virginia are all that remains of the Big 12 at this point. West Virginia, they see the writing on the wall, the fires in the commissioner's office, and they uh, they hightail it off for the ACC. KU leverages their basketball status and goes to the Big 10. So that leaves Baylor, Iowa State, and K-State, which is a an odd bunch. Baylor, they... Are, they latch on to the American Conference, which will use Iowa State and K-State or Farmageddon. The, the final two left as a room of old buddies wondering where everyone else went. And at this point, there's, some, there's been some other movement that's been happening. Uh, the Big Ten, they uh, have added KU and Nebraska's upset for reasons unknown. I mean, they're always mad about something. They're and, always angry. And so Texas... They get this idea. What if we made the Southwest Conference again, but better? And so they do it. And that's <laughs> so they start out. They have TCU, they Texas, yeah, Texas Tech, and, <laughs> and then they have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They hear that Nebraska is not very happy, and they add them, even though they're not Southwest. They just do it for fun. And <laughs> and I will say that's all that happens to the Big Ten. They add KU and they lose Nebraska. They come out of this exceptionally well considering how you know, literally everybody else does which is poorly and so the southwest they're now at six teams and so they say who can we poach and so they go to the sec and they ask their old original southwest conference friends arkansas texas a&m if they'd like to come play ball again they say yes because this is my world and uh, so now we're at eight teams and the Southwest, they bring in Houston from the American, and they also poach Arizona and Arizona State from the Pac-12, as well as UCLA and USC. So they've now reached a Wait, pre- what happened to the Pac-12? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. It's funny that you mentioned what happened to the Pac-12, because while all of this is happening, they are absolutely imploding. California is sinking into the ocean, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> And they they all see what's happening, and this all starts with uh, with UCLA and USC being invited to join the Southwest along with Arizona and Arizona State, and they jump ship. So we now have the Pac-8, and no one likes how that sounds at the newest conference meetings, and so they're all very angry about that. And 
essentially from there they implode and the Pac-12 dies in this scenario. The Pac-12 no longer exists. And there there will be some remnants that that show up a little later on. We'll we'll, we'll get into that as it comes. But moving back to uh not dying power fives, uh the ACC and the SEC uh, they kind of jab at each other this whole time, basically. It's basically a slap fight between the ACC and SEC. Uh, Florida State goes to the SEC. Georgia Tech goes to the SEC as well. Uh, Louisville leaves the ACC to be American. West Virginia joins the ACC. ACC takes Vanderbilt from the SEC. And then Texas A&M leaves the SEC for the new Southwest Conference. That's all that happens to them. They just kind of like slap at each other. And it's pretty gross, honestly. But now Florida and Florida State and Georgia and Georgia Tech are in the same conference. And Vanderbilt is somewhere that I think they belong a little bit more. So you can you can kind of justify this, honestly. Like, the Big Ten, ACC, and SEC, this is kind of justifiable in this scenario. Everything else is just hell. But, but that, that alone... It cost two conferences their lives. Yeah, but the oh, other wait, three wait, power fives the, did fine. In the... In the description of this, we'll we'll probably put a link to this. To, yeah, I to think this people. I think people to, need to, to see follow it. along. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah people should see it. But um, yeah, the Pac-12 is now dead, and uh, as well as the Big 12. However, we're we're now returning to the Big 12 because Farmageddon. We we talked about them a little bit because K-State and Iowa State. They were two teams without a home. They go to the Big 10 are very quickly denied because they're agriculture schools and they don't want to get their suits dirty up in the Big 10. And they're not they're not a southeastern school and they're not an Atlantic Coast school and the Pac twelve literally died, so they're kinda out of power fives at this point. And they don't want to be in a conference with Baylor ever again because everybody hates them. And so that leaves really one viable option, and that's the Mountain West. And so K State goes and they and they join the Mountain West and it really hurts, I will say, but you had to swallow to keep yourself from vomiting. <laughs> it, it hurts to see. I I will admit it. But K State lugs Iowa State along, as they they drag themselves to the finish line, and uh, they lose for now. And, and so now the Pac-12 is just in utter chaos. I mean, it's like SpongeBob's brain in that one episode when there's all the SpongeBob's running around in his head, like papers are flying everywhere, and they're all just yelling random things. Um. But now that the Pac-12 is becoming uh, defunct, uh, teams start jumping ship very quickly. And the first two to leave are Colorado and Utah. Utah decides to head to the Mountain West because they that's really the only other place that they have available. And that's uh, just to join up with Utah State. Colorado goes and joins with Colorado State and their former Big 8 opponents. So now we have a Mountain West of Air Force, Boise State, Colorado, Colorado State, Fresno State, Farmageddon, Nevada, UNLV, San Diego State, San Jose State, Utah, and Utah State. However, there are more changes coming. Well, also New Mexico and Wyoming are there. And, well, so now the Pac-12, which is now defunct, consists of, I believe, six teams, if my math is correct. There's Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, Washington, Washington State. That's yeah. That's that's it for them. So those six combine forces and they form a new conference called the Northwest <laughs> Conference because they're being really petty about the Southwest. So Cal, North Cal and uh, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, and Stanford, they all form up and 
create this new alliance. And uh, they poach a few teams from the Mountain West, or I guess actually just two. Yeah, they get Boise State to join as well as Wyoming. They bring BYU in from the Independents. And then they also uh, they bring in some SES schools. They bring in Eastern Washington, North Dakota, and North Dakota State to fill out. And now they reach 12 teams in the Northwest Conference. So not everything is terrible. They salvage the situation, kind of. There's still some viable teams there. North Dakota State should be an FBS anyways. And so yeah. things, things work out kind of okay for what remained of the Pac-12. And the American, I guess we'll just briefly touch on them. Uh, they add Appalachian State uh, from the Sun Belt. They um, add Baylor out of charity. Uh, they lose Houston to the uh, Southwest, and they add Louisville from the ACC. And that's all that happens to the American. They they get out of this pretty much unscathed other than losing Houston, which hurts, and they also add Baylor, which also hurts. And <laughs> this is really becoming a... Uh, uh, just hate, hate on Baylor. We're going all out on Baylor this episode. I, I don't know why that's turned out this way, but I don't know. Moving on, moving on from that. Um, we we come back to the uh, the Mountain West. Uh, Boise State and Wyoming have just left, but they've added Colorado, Iowa State, K State, and Utah. They see the Northwest kind of messing around with uh, some FCS schools, so they add their own. They add South Dakota State, and. I, that's all I have to say about that. Really, they had sound to go to yeah, state, that's a, that's a and then set. they uh, um, they lose New Mexico, who joins up with independent New Mexico State to, for some reason, join the Southwest. They'll just get absolutely obliterated in that conference. But they are a Southwest <laughs> school geographically, so they that that was my main thing here for the most part. At was what geography. cost? At what cost? <laughs> Honestly, that's a great question. Uh, high cost. Um, <laughs> Their lives. Yeah, uh, and. That's the end of the saga, basically, for Farmageddon here. That, that's kind of the central characters in this story, other than the tragedy of the Big 12 and Pac-12. Although they do kind of go into a cocoon and emerge as a butterfly in the southwest and northwest. Uh, I wouldn't call it a butterfly. <laughs> I mean, that southwest conference, that's that's a nasty conference. Like You cannot lie. Arkansas, Arizona, Arizona State, Houston, Nebraska. We'll skip the New Mexico schools, pretend they're not there. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, <laughs> TCU, Texas... Texas A&M, Texas Tech, UCLA, and USC. That, that's a nasty conference right there. Like that, That's a powerhouse. That that challenges the SEC right there. All of a sudden, you, you finally have a conference that can regularly go toe-to-toe with the SEC, I think. Like, but at what cost? A very high one. Shut up. <laughs> but um, yeah, the MAC, uh, the Ad Army... UMass, they lose Bowling Green to Conference USA. Uh, there's a lot of attrition between Sunbelt and Conference USA. Uh, the Sunbelt adds Abilene Christian from the FCS. AC look really stressed right now. <laughs> uh, they lose Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. They all go over to Conference USA. And they add the Texas schools, North Texas, Rice, UTEP, and UTSA from Conference USA. And that's pretty much it, actually. That, that's it for the nuclear option. I believe when all is said, I think almost half of FBS moves in some way. What do you think, Ace? So, let... I'll just recap it for everyone. All so, right. in, 
the, the, TL, the TLDR version. Big 12 is gone. It's dead. It's dead. Gone. It's over. Dead. In its stead is the Southwest Conference, which consists of Arkansas, Arizona, Arizona State, Houston, Nebraska, New Mexico, New Mexico State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, UCLA, USC. Why is Arkansas and Nebraska there? I don't know. I mean, they're I guess they're good schools, I guess. Arkansas? But... <laughs> I will there's actual logic for Arkansas. They were in the original Southwest Conference and they left in 1991 to join the SEC. However, Nebraska, I have no explanation for them other than I just wanted to even out the Big 10. I... And I want to see enough. I want to see Mac Brown like return from North Carolina and hold up one finger against Nebraska in the Southwest <laughs> Conference Championship just for old time's sake. That's all I want. So, that is my only justification for this heinous act. I am sorry. And then the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten, they escape relatively unscathed. I mean, for football, they lose because they're trading Nebraska for KU, which, you know, maybe that's not the biggest loss in the world, but, you know... <laughs> The ACC loses Florida State and, you know, the other two schools, which are fine. They add – there's just so much – there's so much to unpack here. Like It's the nuclear option. There'd be a lot to unpack after a nuclear detonation. Yeah, family is dead. Everyone is crying, and we're going to call it a war crime 80 years later despite the fact that it still happened. Yeah, this that is, is this, the yeah. only thing. I mean, the, the difference is, is that, like – this is a felony just even thinking about this i think like i I think i think if the nsa is spying on my computer right now i think the black helicopters are on the way honestly looking at this like i'm I'm getting too close to the truth with with this i'm I'm officially a northwest conference truther no 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 no. don't it's not because the nsa is spying on you it's because i called the police on you for what you did to this please no the manhattan police will give me an mip even though i'm 21 Yeah, I just it, there's I don't want to say I hate everything about it because you love it, but it's pretty close. I can say the 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 things that I like are are the FCS schools moving up and Vanderbilt not being an SEC school anymore, but. That's genuinely about where the upside for me ends. Can you imagine if this actually happens? Like, I don't want to. Imagine college football media if this actually happened. What if we just spoke this into existence? What if we were manifesting this? Like, I will say, though, if K-State were forced to join the Mountain West, this is probably best-case scenario. Like, they add a couple Pac-12 schools to make it more competitive. Wyoming and New Mexico leave because they suck. Boise State leaving hurts, but... They keep around uh, Nevada, San Diego State, San Jose State. As far as K-State joining the Mountain West in a nuclear situation goes, this is about as good as it gets for that. Everything tastes poorly, but at least this has some seasoning. Some cane sauce. Sponsored by Spencer Rattler. I was about to make a Spencer Rattler joke, but you stole it from me. For that, you I'm making another nuclear happen. option, but every team moves. <laughs> I'm 
just kidding. I don't have the energy to do that. I will say, though, making that nuclear option was so much fun because all of the storylines I said were going through my head while making it were actually true. This is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, what if, like, the original nuclear option all started with the Texas schools leaving the Big 12, and it resulted in two conferences dying. Dying. The SEC losing Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. Five FCS schools rising up to FBS. Over half of the independents joining a conference. Baylor losing Power 5 status, as well as Louisville, as well as Colorado, Iowa State, K-State, and Utah. And uh, the Sun Belt and Conference USA exchanging like four teams each. And Northwest Conference and Southwest Conference coming to existence. Like, and all of that happens because Texas got greedy. See the problem, and that can totally happen. Yeah, uh, the first part, not remember. not the rest of it. Yeah, I, I, as one horror director said, I don't remember which one. The best horror is rooted in reality, and there is a hellscape where I could see this happening. Did this was this like too close to home? Like, should I should I made this like more ridiculous? No, it's already ridiculous enough, and that would have just hurt my head even more. But how it starts with just Texas picking up their ball and going home, and then the Big Twelve offices being on fire, probably started by Texas. I maybe they lose the paperwork for qualifying every Big Twelve school, and no one's happy enough with the big 12 to go for it why am i helping you i don't know but i love it I mean, uh, no you're I slowly becoming a believer i'm just, not just no think, just what think, is he Ace. doing he's starting to believe just think the southwest conference reforms and grows this was destined it was written in the stars ever since the big 12 was formed it was inevitable the southwest conference would come back together and destroy the Big 12 and Pac-12. And Iowa State and K-State somehow scrounge up a way to survive and create a Power 6 featuring the Mountain West. (laughs) So because now the Power 6 is the Big 10, the ACC, the SEC, the Southwest, the Northwest, and the Mountain West. And you know what would happen with this? It'd be a Super Bowl system. Because you take the top three teams from the Southwest, Northwest, and Mountain West, and the top three teams from the Big Ten, ACC, and SEC, so three teams from each conference, and have playoffs, and then divide it East and West, and the East champion faces the West champion. And the group of four schools and independents play for nothing. Because they deserve nothing. Ace is taking off his glasses and rubbing his head. I think I've accomplished my mission here. It's come to the point of the show where we start talking about realities that we may not want to talk about, but are not as horrible as the reality that we just discussed. Yeah. So do we yes, wanna... I'm ending this second. <laughs> hey, I mean, we can go back to the uh, preferred uh, realistic scenario. That's much cleaner than what we just discussed. It's oh, yeah. a lot less entertaining. I, I like that a lot more. Cincinnati and Houston joined the Big 12. Maryland joins the ACC. Rutgers joins the American. Vanderbilt joins the American. New Mexico State joins the Mountain West. And Army joins the MAC. And that's it. 
I'm fine. I, but imagine though, just, if no. instead of that, no. Texas, no. Texas leaves. No. And Bob Bullsby no. doesn't have enough fire no. extinguishers to save the Big Twelve. No. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's my magnum opus personally. I cannot string together enough expletives to let you know how much I hate that. You would break your swear streak, so I and it's it I'm not breaking it. I thin, refuse. It's on thin ice though. I can feel it. <laughs> the the rest of the show is just going to be Connor trying to break me like an old eighteen I was about to say eighteen eighties, nineteen eighties sitcom. <laughs> I, <gasps> I I won't say that I'll try to break you because I've already done it. So yeah, <laughs> we can link this though in the podcast description for all people to see. We will. I think I'll we email will. it we to Chris Del Conte at Texas. If, is he still the AD? I actually don't know. <laughs> Picture this: the Southwest Conference. <laughs> But add in the Oklahomas and the Arizonas and the UCLA. A and M comes back. Arkansas comes back. Houston joins. Nebraska's there for some reason. Nobody knows why. The New Mexicos are there too, just hanging out. They get last every year, but they get that good TV money. It's great. Remember how you said this was going to be a shorter episode? Yeah, I, I, I do remember that. That was a lie. Mm-hmm. This is, we're only at an hour 40. So Not, far. So far. I mean, like, I don't know what else. No, we're... no, we're ending the segment. The segment is over. I was gonna say, it's I, done. We can make another. Like, no. There's plenty of room on the spreadsheet. No. I have thousands no. more rows. No. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I'm ending the segment there. Thank right. you so much to everyone who listened to that inevitably 45 minutes of rambling including about 30 minutes of nightmare 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 and another part of the show is the part that we do every single episode we love doing this podcast and we absolutely would do it for free but the reality of the situation is we're both college students so anything that you help put into the show via the show's description on spotify donating a dollar even would go directly towards either us living or making the film or making the film, making the podcast better through things like film study, more writing time, more recording times for episodes. All of those would be greatly appreciated if you were to donate to us. And also in the future, whenever we have merch, we're just going to go ahead and leak this detail. Now there may or may not just throwing that out there may or may not, the limited edition merch that you might only be able to get for a week or two. And we will announce when this week or two will come whenever our merch store launches, but there will, there may or may not be limited edition merch, but aside from supporting the show financially, both of us just very much appreciate your willingness to listen to us. Neither of us thought that this podcast would grow nearly as quickly as it did. At least I certainly didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And there. We were, yeah, Sorry. we were both perfectly fine with that. No, I, I invited you to talk. <laughs> yeah, you just kept talking. I, I feel like I've been talking so much. I just had to apologize. So, I, it's fine, man. That <laughs> that segment was yours. But thank you all so much for listening to us. And 
being a part of the Aggieville Alley Cats family, or as we're going to start calling it soon, the Alley Cats themselves. We a family. We a family. <gasps> is that all she wrote <laughs> yeah that, that that that'll do it you, you want to do the I'm, outro or are you done yeah i'll do the outro i'll do the outro okay thank you so much for listening to the aggieville alley cats podcast be sure to follow us on social media on twitter specifically that's aggieville a cats on twitter capital a capital a and capital c in cats as well as be sure to send us any emails with questions or suggestions at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. I'm Ace Edwards. Follow me on Twitter at ACEdwards00, right alongside the nightmare inducer of conference realignment. Yours truly, it's Connor Baltazor. And you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, the Aggieville Alley Cats, come rain, shine, or anything in between, we'll be here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Go Southwest Conference. No. No. <laughs> <laughs>